Streaming from Abby Cat Recording Studio in Chicago. You are listening to Influence, a podcast where we explore what makes great music influential. I was tuning in the shine and the light, night dial doing anything my radio advised. With every one of those late night stations playing songs, bringing tears to my eyes. I was seriously thinking about hiding the receiver when the switch broke because it's old. Welcome to the uh, newest episode of uh, Influenced, where we talk about artists who uh, influenced uh, a lot of music and the uh, music that inspired them and who they inspired elsewhere in the the music industry. Today, we're talking about Elvis Costello. Good to talk about Elvis Costello. That uh, that album, uh, this year's model, which has Radio Radio on it, was the first LP that I ever bought by Elvis. I had to backtrack and go get my aim is true. But that was the beginning uh, of Elvis's career after being a uh, basically a pub musician in England for a whole bunch of years. He's a fantastic songwriter and he's definitely, I mean, one of my favorite things about his whole style is just his, uh, his way of like not sounding necessarily, uh, old fashioned or like he's from the like fifties or anything, but he's always got like a little bit of that, like kind of Roy Orbison yeah, kind of. 50s crooner style to him or but he also feels like way more modern and way more uh up to date with like where music was kind of headed in uh the the 70s and 80s and obviously like a lot of those 50s guys were but he keeps it pretty classic and that's definitely something i've always loved about his music yeah me too i even buddy holly and you know roy like you said and he kind of brings those elements in but in a very uh modern uh he, he was you know one of the first new wave guys definitely i mean yeah he was definitely like him and uh like a lot of the other kind of uh bands at the time like the replacements and even like I mean he definitely got lumped in with like a little bit of a little bit of punk I mean like the famous SNL story is Elvis Costello and the Attractions were the replacement band for the Sex Pistols yeah. when they when they played their famous uh radio radio performance where they uh so controversially launched into that 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 track after being told not to by Lauren Michaels but and they weren't they weren't allowed back on the show for 10 years yeah yeah, yeah. like a a 10 or 10 or so year ban on Elvis Costello yeah. which is which is a pretty intense thing, but I think that I think that kind of uh, the PR that generated from them doing that SNL stunt was definitely one of the bigger one of the big reasons why they got uh, some success in the in the early parts of their career. They were definitely a bit of a uh, controversial punky band because he was seen as so youthful and so angry about the establishment and everything like that. But like you take it back to his like earliest influences and like. Roy Orbison isn't exactly like a an angry guy, I would say, but like mm. a lot of his uh like a lot of the early Roy Orbison songs like uh like I Drove All Night, which we'll hear here now, is was definitely like an influence, a huge influence on like a lot of Elvis Costello's early music and especially just like the way he would because Elvis Costello definitely has a, a unique voice and not necessarily the same way that Roy Orbison has a unique voice, but like their unique voices are definitely very front and center in the music and definitely is like one of the the driving forces of their of their songs even if their songs are maybe like texturally and uh i guess aesthetically a little different but here's i drove all night by roy orbison i had to escape the city was sticky and cruel maybe 
But yeah, you can definitely tell, especially with like a lot of the earlier kind of ballad, more ballad based uh, stuff like that Elvis Costello was doing, that he was definitely keeping a, a, a tap to his like romantic side and especially just like the, the, the kind of the kind of music that Roy Orbison would make. And like you can definitely hear it on like uh, Allison, which is definitely one of his biggest his biggest hits. You can definitely hear just like that um, kind of romantic, uh, I guess attitude getting the better of Elvis Costello even if he was mostly known for being like a a kind of a bratty angry dude <laughs> but he could definitely have uh, some romantic sentiment to him to his uh music as well and that's definitely something he he drew from like Roy Orbison and a lot of like the uh the 50s and early 60s guys that he was that were huge influences on on him and his music when he was growing up but here's Allison off of his uh off Elvis Costello's first release uh, from 1977, My Aim is True. Oh, it's so funny to be seeing you after so long, girl. And with the way you look, I understand that you were not impressed. But I heard you let that little friend of so you can really hear, like, Elvis definitely has a, a decent bit of that romantic sentimentality to his music as well. Especially in the early stages of his career, he was maybe a little more um, willing to wear his, like, sad emotions on his uh, sleeve a little bit more. Uh, but, like, especially as he kind of grew a little bit more confident and, uh, like, formed his own backing band with the uh, the attractions for his, uh, after his first album, musically and, like, kind of... Uh, exploring what all he could do in terms of creating more cohesive albums and more just like interesting works uh musically so like you can definitely hear that a lot on like his like late 70s and early 80s uh music like on the album Armed Forces one of my favorite tracks of his his entire career is uh the song Green Shirt I just love the like the like arpeggiated synthesizer that kind of starts the song and is one of the like more key elements of that track and it's just very cool to hear like a uh, a band experiment with that in 1960 or 1979 which is like very much in the early early years of like rock bands really being able to use like synthesizers and and um, experimenting more and kind of in that realm and I think that's a very cool thing for like someone like Elvis Costello who's like a little bit more on that new wave kind of side of things while still indebted to like the 50s and early 60s a lot of his like the textures that he actually builds with his records are very much forward thinking for the time and he definitely deserves a lot of credit for doing things that not everyone thought was cool in 1979. And so here's Green Shirt off of Armed Forces, one of my favorite all-time Elvis Costello tracks. Smart young woman on a light blue screen who comes into my house every night She takes all the red, yellow, orange and green and she turns them into black and white But you tease You flirt so you can just hear how like 
forward thinking that song might have sounded in 1979 like that that like just persistent kick drum and like the the percussion on that song just like it almost sounds like something that like new order might be doing in like three or four years once like the the new wave synth synth pop kind of movement really hit its stride but this is in 19 1979 like when new order was still joy division so like hearing hearing all these cool synths and like these almost what sounds like almost sequenced like percussion to the to the to the track is very cool to hear kind of almost an electronic track before like electronic music really started taking off in the 80s so i think it's really just like a testament to how like forward thinking he was and like a lot of that gets back to his like he loved the the period of like experimentation of the in the beatles like between like rubber soul and like magical mystery tour and the white album he's elvis costello is a is a very big uh proponent of just like the the very psychedelic Beatles, and he's—you can obviously you can hear in that 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 song "Green Shirt" like the the synthesizers almost sounding like a lot of those very mm-hmm. psychedelic like Beatles mellotrons and stuff like that from the the mid '60s, just like oh, over a decade a decade before Elvis. But the the fact that he was he was kind of moving that sound forward and kind of thinking, oh, what would like Magical Mystery Tour esque psychedelic keyboard song sound like in 1979 when he's got access to like those early prophet synths and some Moogs and stuff like that so the fact that he's playing with some stuff like that and the whole the whole band the attractions is definitely and that that album armed forces is definitely when i feel like him and the attractions are really kind of gelling together after they played together for an album or two mm-hmm. and like they're all getting to the point where they can experiment a little bit like the the attractions keyboardist is very heavily featured on that song like with all the synthesizers and the keyboards and stuff like that produced by uh nick Lowe, who was kind of a yeah. famous producer at the time he i think he did a lot of work with like a lot of other like 70s and 80s artists and stuff like that yeah he definitely did yeah uh, he was he was a pretty big name back in in those days definitely. for sure you know, the other thing about those three albums, I Miss Brew, This Year's Model, and Our Forces, is uh, they just came out in such rapid succession, and, you know, one year apart, 77, yeah. 78, 79, and, and Elvis was just cranking out content. Well, I mean, each one, each album has like 12 or 13 songs on it, so yeah. he's definitely, he was writing a lot of songs. He was writing a lot more than what was showing up on the vinyl, actually. Definitely. Yeah, I can imagine, um, imagine. And that album also had a great song on it called Oliver's Army. And most definitely, yeah. That's that a one classic. Went, yeah, it actually went to number two in the UK. So that yeah. was a pretty big hit for them. Definitely, yeah, um, yeah. They were catching their stride like you're talking about. Like, it also has a couple of hits like more enduring hits like uh, Peace, Love and Understanding is obviously like one of his more more classic songs as is Oliver's Army. Yep. But uh like kinda as as he moved on into the eighties, he definitely continued to like explore and like with like albums like Imperial Bedroom, mm-hmm. he was definitely also kind of continuing to kind of find more experimentation. Just like continue to continue to kind of hone the attractions into like what they could be the tightest band that he wanted them to be. Like so here's Beyond Belief, the uh the opening track off Imperial Bedroom. But Imperial Bedroom is probably one of his more conceptual albums. I would say. I so. would say. Yeah, a little moodier. Definitely, it's definitely a little bit moodier. It's definitely a little bit more experimental in terms of like what he was doing in the studio. It kind of shows you kind of where he was going after like four or five years into his career when he was a little bit more established. But here's Beyond Belief off of Imperial Bedroom. History repeats the old. Con- 
sits The clip replies, the same defeats Keep your finger on button issues With crocodile tears and a bucket full of tissues And just the oily slip and wind The world of the nervous tick In a very fashionable harbor So you can definitely tell that like by the by the time the 80s were around or into kind of full swing, Elvis Costello was definitely like into the experimentation and into like the the layering that was kind of so prevalent in the music industry kind of as um, music as the music industry got more and more uh, digital. You would you you could do more stuff with just like the studio and layering and stuff like that. So you can hear how like layered and intricate the uh songs and on imperial bedroom are like there's you know lots of keyboards and lots of backing vocals and experimentation and like sound effects and like almost what sounded like early samples like if you heard there was like almost like an explosion sound effect in this song earlier Mm -hmm. that sounded sounded like it could have been an early tape sample or something like that that Mm -hmm. elvis costello just found and put into the song so he was definitely experimenting with like what he could make into a into a pop song kind of as he was kind of getting into the getting into the swing of things and like really getting into the feeling of like oh I'm a professional musician like I can I can make a lot of make a lot of music and um I know in the 80s he also kind of started branching out and doing a little bit more collaborating with like some other artists yeah. like uh one of the most famous was he struck up a decent friendship with uh Paul McCartney and they started like collaborating with each other and like appearing on each other's albums. Like I think Elvis Costello went and uh, played some rhythm guitar and did some backing vocals on a couple of Paul McCartney's albums in the mid '80s. And they like started kind of writing some songs together. Elvis Costello was recording a solo album in the kind of late '80s, like '87, '88, and he was writing a lot with Paul McCartney at the time. And um, so it, it, the album that they that ended up coming out after of this kind of collaboration was uh, the Elvis Costello album Spike, and almost every song on the album is a co-writing collaboration between um, Elvis Costello and Paul McCartney. And one of the, the the biggest song on the album is probably the title, or not the title track, but the single uh, Veronica, which uh, features like Paul McCartney on backing vocals and playing bass. And I believe this album, this is just like a little bit of trivia about this album, mm-hmm. but um, I believe uh, when they were kind of recording everything, um, like in the 70s and 80s, Paul McCartney kind of strayed away from his like violin Hoffner bass, which was like so famous because from the from the Beatles. So like he strayed away from it specifically because he was like, I don't want to use this this bass because it's like such the it's so much the Beatle bass and mm-hmm. like. He so he would use like Fender basses and Rickenbacker basses live and in the studio and stuff. And I guess uh, Elvis Costello specifically requested that Paul McCartney bring his like Hofner to the studio uh, when they were recording this album, mm. so he could have that like Beatle bass tone. I guess that Paul McCartney kind of attributes that recording session with like him kind of falling back in love with his Hofner bass, and he's since used it. Like he's since if you see Paul McCartney on tour these days, he uses that Hoffner bass on almost every song he plays bass on. So mm-hmm. he definitely, he definitely, I think it kind of reestablished Paul McCartney's love of his, one of his most iconic instruments. So that's just like a funny little tidbit of, yeah. of this album and kind of where Elvis Costello was at these days. Like Paul McCartney, when Elvis Costello was growing up, was definitely one of his songwriting idols. And oh, yeah. here he is in 1989 being like, hey, Paul, bring your Beatle <laughs> bass to the studio because I want that, I want that sweet tone. 
So he definitely was like he had grown into kind of like his own a songwriter in his own right. And was he was hanging out with Paul McCartney and like he even backed up, uh, I think, kind of around this time and within the a few years after this, he he like kind of famously was one of the backing players on like Roy Orbison's Black and White Night yeah. concert. Yeah. Concert album. Yeah, he was there. So kind of in the late 80s, early 90s, Elvis Costello was like. Taking it, he wasn't like he was still create putting out a lot of music on his own, but he was kind of taking it a little easier and kind mm-hmm. of like hanging out with his friends and making friends with like a lot of his idols and and stuff like that. So he was he was uh, playing around a little bit more, just like with his formula and with kind of what he what he liked doing and making a little bit more music uh, that would be maybe a little bit different. So here's Veronica, his one of his collaborations with Paul McCartney off of his 1989 album Spike. So you can definitely hear the like late 80s, early 90s uh, production style in that song. Like I feel like that song always reminds me of like a very similar sound like The Cure had and like they're kind of like Just Like Honey or Just Like Heaven. Just Like Honey is a Jesus and Mary chain. Sorry. But uh, Just Like Heaven and Friday I'm in Love. Like it's very much like that happy uh, like post-punk jangly pop sound. And you can definitely hear like Paul McCartney's influence and the vocal harmonies and especially the bass playing on that on that song. So you can definitely hear that Elvis Costello was just like kind of having fun and like writing the songs he wanted to write with the people he wanted to be jamming with. Um, but, and the, in the nineties, especially too, he was always like kind of keeping his ear to the ear to the floor about like what the new music is and like what, what is the, the, the kids are listening to that's hip these days. And I know in the nineties, he got very into like the hip hop and like a lot of the, um, like energy that was kind of coming from that scene and like the in your face attitude that a lot of the hip hop guys from the late 90s and early 2000s had Elvis Costello is a big fan and I know I'm pretty sure he's a like kind of noted fan of the Beastie Boys and uh, obviously they're one of the like kind of sillier uh hip hop acts from the 90s and early 2000s but they definitely were pretty raucous and I mean they started out as a punk band so they were definitely listening to a lot of listening to a lot of bands that Elvis Costello liked, and they were probably listening to do a decent amount of Elvis Costello themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but their their music, you wouldn't necessarily hear that, but like you can definitely hear that they've got like an, a bit of attitude uh, in their music, and like that was definitely something in the in the nineties that like Elvis Costello was very uh, inspired by and really liked. And um, I'm pretty sure he was a uh, kind of a bit of a uh, early proponent of like a lot of that kind of music when like a lot of the it was popular for a lot of those rock guys to kind of be like no i don't like Mm -hmm. i don't like hip-hop or any of that they're just like weird party party guys but like elvis costello was definitely like oh i think they have something interesting to say so here's uh so what you want uh by the beastie boys one of elvis costello's favorite bands of the 90s Just pulled me in, just like I was Eddie Harris. He eating crazy cheese like you would think of a parrot. You know I get far 
So obviously that's pretty different from like a lot of Elvis Costello's music itself, but he can I can definitely understand like what he was getting out of it. It's very like in your face and you can definitely hear the like punk super noisy production and all the guitars and stuff like that. Yeah. So like and and Elvis Costello his kind of uh in the in the 2000s kind of followed up on that like kind of interest in hip hop and he's actually collaborated with a number of like hip hop and R&B uh like names and he's actually got a pretty successful collaboration with uh the like hip hop and R&B band The Roots and like him and him and Questlove from The Roots are kind of like well-known friends these days this is a uh, wake me up one of the bigger songs off of the uh Wise Up Ghost album that Elvis Costello did with The Roots in uh the 2010s here you go here's wake me up Got this fire, so rich and partial of you, Jesus, me in my head. I got this heart that I'm staked with Gary and another man's child. The solitary star, and now some vacancy burned out as you got. I don't push back across the border, really knew that we'd survive. And it was a surprise to see us. So obviously it's not as in-your-face hip-hop as the Beastie Boys, but it's definitely an interesting sound for Elvis Costello to kind of chase after in the 2010s. He's definitely very... Obviously, I mean, he's working with a hip-hop band, but he's uh, it's very hip-hop influenced, but it's still, like, it still keeps his wit. It still keeps his, like, kind of ferocity that he can kind of have at times when his just, like, his snarl and his lyrics... But it's a very hip-hop and very R&B-oriented sound, which is very cool for him to kind of continue to explore and to almost turn upside down the, uh, like, expectations that, like, rock stars, once they get old, can just, like, yeah. pump out just, like, blues covers yeah. albums and stuff like that. He He's saying, like, oh, I want to move forward and continue collaborating with musicians I find interesting and finding sounds that I haven't necessarily worked in before. Yeah, and, and I just say he did a actually did a lot of that. I mean, oh, he, yeah, he definitely. was definitely not worried about sort of doing something that his fans didn't always love that he did. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, yeah. you know, he had a country a country album back in, like, I think it was 1981 or 82, oh, yeah, Almost Blue. Those were covers. But oh, yeah, he's it, always been a huge country fan, so yeah, he's, he's always been was like, yeah, if I want to put out a country That's country cover, you're going to listen to me put out a country cover. So, <laughs> like, I, I, yeah. I don't I don't care if you're still stuck on armed forces. I'm putting this yeah, thing out. Yeah, definitely. Or, like, he's also someone who's like, I don't care if, like, it makes you uncomfortable to see a rock star singing with, like, drum machines and, like, right. crazy synthesizers. Like, I'm going to do that. Yeah. So he's he's very interesting, and, like, you never quite know what his, like, creative creative spirit is gonna wind up with next and i think that's something that's made him like a really big inspiration to a lot of like modern artists because like with a lot of modern music you don't really want to be tied down to one sound and like people a lot of people play with like genre pretty pretty heavily these days and uh, i think that's made him really really inspirational to like a lot of the like indie rock artists and people like coming up yeah and like Indie, like a lot of indie rock bands, like kind of like almost like like bands like the National and mm-hmm. OK Go kind of cite Elvis Costello as a major influence, and people, Andy, also people like Jenny Lewis, who's mm-hmm. like a fantastic indie rock songwriter in her her own right, and she also like kind of does that thing where like very similar to like Elvis Costello's music, where like it feels very modern and of the time that it came out, but it still holds these like classic 
kind of values and classic sentiments in the songwriting that like really come through and give the music like a very classic vibe, mm-hmm. but still make it. It's you 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 still feel like the music came out when it, when it came out, and uh, it didn't. It doesn't feel like like Jenny Lewis doesn't feel like she's writing songs from the seventies. She feels like she's writing songs from two thousand eighteen or whatever. But she she has a little bit of that classic attitude, and I think yeah. Elvis Costello is also like kind of attracted to that in artists. And like him and Jenny Lewis actually have a collaboration on um, one of her first solo albums after she left her band Rilo Kelly. Um, on the song Carpetbaggers off her album Acid Tongue. It's a fantastic track. Um, but it's a very, it's a great duet between Jenny Lewis and Elvis Costello um, that they kind of, they made happen together, which is a very, very cool thing for, also for a, for an established artist like Elvis Costello to kind of get behind someone who isn't a household name like Jenny Lewis and to kind of be like, hey, this is like an, she's an incredible songwriter, and I'm gonna like put my put my name behind this work. It's a yeah. very cool thing for a like major iconic artist to do, um, and it just shows that he's very aware of his influence on just like the music scene and stuff. Mm-hmm. So here's Carpetbaggers by Jenny Lewis and Elvis Costello. That's super cool. Mm-hmm, definitely. So, like, I definitely feel like you can say Elvis Costello has made, like, a great name for himself as, like, a very influential songwriter and just, like, ex- ex- explorer and experimentalist and just, like, someone who doesn't really care about, like, what the expectations of him as an artist are. So he'll kind of work with whoever he wants to work with or and kind of do whatever he wants to do when he wants to do it. And that's something you can always like. It's always like a uh, positive quality in like artists, especially artists with a little bit of snark like Elvis Costello. <laughs> um, he's definitely uh, kind of earned his place among the like some of the more influential rock and rollers that have led to a lot of fantastic music. Uh, so I thought it would be kind of cool to close out our um, Elvis Costello session uh, with uh, perhaps watching the detectives. Yeah, that's a kind of his uh, first first breakthrough single, I guess. Yeah. Um, I guess this is kind of pre attractions era Elvis Costello, but it's one of his most like everlasting songs. I'd say it's definitely like the most successful song off his first release, other than Allison. But uh, it's a it's kind of encapsulates his uh, whole his whole sound. It's I mean it's one of his earliest hits, but it's got a little bit of the sonic experimentation for the mm-hmm. for the nineteen seventies when it came out. Yeah, and uh, it's definitely like has his like trademark snarky attitude with it. So yeah, you can definitely say it's like kind of one of the most quintessential Elvis Costello songs. So here's watching the detectives off nineteen seventy seven's My Aim Is True. This has been influenced with Elvis Costello, and I'm uh, Blake Sokoloff. And I'm Robert Dean. All right. Thanks so much for uh, tuning in this week. (laughs) 